Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Bullshit. Welcome into another episode of Southsider 670. Second episode in a row that Gabe Ramirez is on vacation. I envy the shit out of him because he doesn't have to watch the White Sox right now. So I have score teammate. And the main man over at Future Sox, Mike Rankin, with me. Mike, how you doing? Good to be with you, Shane. Thanks for having me. Good, thank you. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Get that out of the way real quick. Sure, we're at Future Sox on Twitter. I'm at Rankin906 if you want to give me a follow. And you're launching a brand new show tomorrow for The Score. Uh, Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes are being paired together. Oh, what was that? Yeah, what was the... we're doing it. We're Is doing it. stressful already? <laughs> Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes, 10 to 2. It starts tomorrow, a new era of 670 The Score. Is it stressful so far? What have you been up to? Not stressful uh, in the slightest. I'll tell you, we're all ready for it. Everything is A-OK. Uh, no, we're, we're ready. It's going to be exciting. There's just a lot of things that we have to finish, obviously, before we officially launch. But as you listen to this podcast, we're up and running. This is going to be something special. Uh, Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes are two of the best to ever do it in the industry. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. Who's on your first show tomorrow? Because this episode will launch tonight before tomorrow's show. How are you starting the the era off? Well, it's going to be exciting. Uh, Ian Happ is being pushed to a new time, 1025 weekly on Mondays. That's the hope. We're going to try and run with that for a while. But Greg Olson at noon, Danny Mendick at one. And we also have James Fegan at The Athletic. The White Sox fans know him well. So it's going to be jam-packed. Very nice. Congratulations. You've worked hard to get there. Those guys will enjoy you as a sound man and as an analytics guy. There was a moment last week where I walked into the studio to uh, talk to Bernstein during your show, and he held up like a piece of paper um, with uh, like sequences from some White Sox pitcher or something like that. And he just he looks at me in like the in the Bernstein face, like with his with his Bernstein eyes where they get wide real quick. And he's like, Mike Rankin is getting to be irreplaceable. Stop. So, yeah, yeah, he did. You should feel pretty good about that. All right, so this is the Southsider 670 Podcast. You can get us anywhere you find podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, Odyssey. However you listen, you can listen to this. My name is Shane Reardon. I'm the executive producer of the Afternoon Show, Park Hunter Spiegel. You can find me at, at Shane underscore Reardon on Twitter and at Shane's Meet on Instagram. You can find the podcast itself at Southsider670, and you can email us at Southsider670 at gmail.com. Go ahead and get your mailbag questions in. We'll do a mailbag episode probably this week on Thursday uh, leading up into the weekend series against the Orioles. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the show, Southsider670 podcast feed anywhere. So the White Sox dropped one today, four to three. They dropped two of three to the Astros this weekend. And I want to go real quick to Friday before we get to today. The one glaring issue um, in my opinion, on Friday, is that Lucas Giolito should have never faced Pedro Alvarez uh, in the, I think it was the sixth inning. Um, after that leadoff walk to Alex Bregman, and I know he's 63, 64 pitches in, something like that. Tony La Russa seems to always be three or four hitters behind getting somebody warm in the pen. Tanner, Tanner Banks, the lefty, the only lefty in the bullpen right now with Aaron, Aaron Bummer out, was not ready to face Pedro Alvarez and I'm getting very, very tired of Tony La Russa's inability 
to manage a bullpen. Were you okay with nobody being up in the bullpen for Giolito, even though we know what happens, number one, to him in the sixth inning, and number two, what happens to him three times through the order, regardless of how many pitches he's at? Right, and it's a different Giolito that we're seeing. It's totally fair, and I'm glad you mentioned the third time through the lineup because that's really more of where it is. You know, you try to evaluate a pitcher as they're going through it, but also you have to take into account not just pitch count, but how many times they're up and down. That means per inning. You're in between innings. You're sitting down, getting up, going back out there, and you, you take into account high stress innings. So to answer your question, I didn't like. This is evergreen. You can add this to every frustrating situation when it comes to the bullpen. Tony Larusa has too much faith in the starter to say often, like often we'll hear him say, this is his inning. Those are his runners. Those are his runs. We want to see him pitch out of it. And I understand it like to an extent, but you're trying to win baseball games. And these baseball games tend to matter a little bit more now that, you know, the White Sox had a terrible start. So you can't be managing for the next day. And with the White Sox bullpen beating, being beat up as well as the way that these injuries from position players have affected the 40 man. And as a result of 26 man, the bullpen has been taxed. We're seeing a lot of Reynaldo Lopez. And now we're seeing or learning that Liam Hendricks has a torn UCL. And that's been the case since 08. Maybe it's starting to catch up to him because of his age. All these things are starting to come to into play as Joe Kelly really hasn't established himself. So, so far this season with multiple injuries and Kendall Graveman has been used a lot. So, you know, to Tony's defense, he wants to get the most out of his starter. And from his perspective, he's saying this starter has to get out. Like he has to give us a chance, but when it's falling, you have to, as a manager, do what's in front of you and fix it. And unfortunately he's left too many starters out to dry. You know, as a player, when you talk to the manager and say, I want to compete, it's the competitive fire in you. But realistically, Tony LaRusa hasn't had all season long, a good feel of when to take somebody out or when it's appropriate to start uh, guys in the pen it's just I, I don't know why it's taken him as long as it has in the past to get guys going other than the fact that he wants to see a starter work out of jams it's worked in the past sometimes but oftentimes when it doesn't it's cost them ball games and Lucas Giolito hasn't I talked about this in my last episode with the 108 guys Lucas Giolito has not had that similar competitive fire that he usually has you're not seeing the the glaring competitive death eyes from Lucas Giolito s- slowly peering over his glove that that iconic shot of the eyes just below the bill of his hat and the glove up to his mouth. You're not seeing that edge from him. I don't know what the difference is. The velocity's down a little bit. I don't know what the difference is in terms of the competitive edge, but he hasn't had it so far. Going back to the bullpen a little bit, you talk about the the use of Matt Foster and the the pushback on Friday night was, yeah, he probably left Giolito in too long, but Matt Foster still gave up all those runs. And that's your right now your most dominant right-handed arm in the pen as of late. But situation matters. You bring in Matt Foster with bases loaded as opposed to Matt Foster with one guy on or Tanner Banks with one guy on as opposed to letting Lucas Giolito load the bases. It's complete bullshit. Moving on to Saturday night. That was a horrible loss on Friday. Saturday was great. You knock Justin Verlander out after what two and a third or two and two thirds. He's thrown seven innings or more for 10 starts this season. You made Justin Verlander look bad. But in my opinion, talked about this on hit and run with Cody Decker this morning. It was a lot of weak contact. It was nice to see Luis Robert go the other way, but it was a lot of weak contact down the third baseline. Like I know you pushed Justin Verlander out, but I think there were some circumstances there that 
aren't necessarily just a nod to the success of the White Sox offense, but maybe a little bit of luck yesterday. So I wasn't necessarily overly encouraged by the White Sox offense for beating Justin Verlander and knocking him out of the game, but there was some weak contact there. What do you think about yesterday's game? Yeah, Saturday was really encouraging, uh, I think, just overall in the at-bats that they were putting together. Yeah, the weak contact thing was, was noticeable. I, I do appreciate their willingness to go the other way. Like you mentioned, Andrew Vaughn had multiple hits the other way. And and same to staying. When Luis Robert is down, he hit one really hard the other way today as well. When Luis Robert's going the other way, he's locked in. And it seems like that has to be the approach for the offense this like moving forward you talk about how many pitches they're seeing per plate appearance i think that's really interesting a lot of these guys are attacking early in the count swing uh, like free swingers and sometimes they swing at bad first pitches it's it's okay to swing at a first pitch as long as it's your pitch and tim anderson's a catalyst a guy who they're going to get back this week which is going to be really important you want to find the consistency in the lineup and I think I'm past the whole on-base percentage thing because this team has convinced me that they're not willing to walk or produce long plate appearances. So get on base however you can. And if that's attacking first pitch, fine. But make sure it's your pitch and also be willing to go the other way. I think it's such an underrated part of hitting. And the White Sox are trying to hit everything, obviously, over the fence in their pull side. But an adjustment like that can, can go a long way for this offense. Johnny Cueto's been an absolute godsend. He has reached the seventh inning six times this season. Nobody else on the staff has done that. He was changing eye levels yesterday. He was changing uh, zones with the changeup. He was all over the place and making Astros hitters guess on everything. He looked phenomenal. No Johnny Cueto in this starting rotation, and they're not two games under 500. They might be four games under 500. He's given six games under 500. I'm sorry. He's given them a chance in every single outing that he's had. And I'm very grateful for Johnny Cueto in tonight's game, a four to three loss showed some, some drive late, but then the, you get snake bitten in the ass by another uncompetitive Adam Hazley at bat. I am convinced that Tony LaRusa believes that just because Adam Hazley was called up for today with what's his face going on bereavement or whatever the hell it is, he thinks that Adam Hazley then just has to play. Like it's some kind of major league baseball rule that if you call somebody up for one game or whatever, he's got to play in that first game. Because as soon as Javier was out of the out of the game today, like fuck the lefty righty bullshit. I it was absolutely done with Adam Hazley after he took those two fastballs down the middle to strike out looking with runners on and runners in scoring position in the third or fourth inning, whatever it was, and absolutely embarrassing at that. Then again, I don't really know if there's anybody else in Charlotte that is a better option to come up and play the outfield than Adam Hazley because you know it's a lefty-righty thing. Like, I've talked so much shit. Everybody's talked so much shit about Larry Garcia, but Larry Garcia would have, better, would have been a better option than Adam Hazley today. Like, even maybe Gavin Sheets, instead of Adam Hazley on the on the option. Maybe Blake Rutherford instead of Gavin Sheets on the option. Michael Rodolfo still exists. Like, give somebody else. You've seen what Adam Hazley is. Every time I see that motherfucker wear a White Sox uniform, I flash back to the promo picture of the signing where he's dropping that ball sliding as a Philadelphia Philly. Like, I am so tired of this bullshit where the best guys aren't getting a chance to play because Tony La Russa is obsessed with lefty-righty matchups. Even after that bullshit at bat, 
where Adam Hazley stares at two fastballs down the center of the plate because he has, because he has no feel for what the strike zone is. Were you okay with Adam Hazley getting as many at-bats as he did today? You're on it when it comes to handedness and the way Tony LaRusso prioritizes big league professionals. Adam Hazley's on the wrong, and really too, like if we go back even further, this is an indictment on Rick Hunt because this is his 40-man roster and this is what Tony LaRusso has to work with. However, Rick has sort of Tony LaRusso proofed his roster because Tony has been so adamant about going lefty righty. And we've been complaining about it all season, seeing guys who shouldn't be at the top of the lineup at the top of the lineup, or at least mixing up the top five because their handedness is left-handed. Um, real, so, real quick on that yeah, before you sure. move on mm-hmm. real quick on that, because that's another point. I, I don't want to move, move off of it. If AJ Pollock is in the lineup, AJ Pollock should be leading off. I don't know what the hell Danny Mendick was doing up there today. No well, clue what Danny Mendick was doing there. Uh, Mendick was acting as the second leadoff man, as they like to call it, batting ninth. He's been he's been doing really well, like putting ball, bat to ball. So like the profile suggests, like over the last week plus with Danny Mendick's contact rate and on base percentage, I can understand why he wants to put a player of his profile at the top of the lineup. But again, to your point, really, it's a larger point. The lineup hasn't been consistent all year. It does have to do with injury, but it's also a stubbornness in Tony LaRusso's part that he has to mix in lefties. He has to mix in major league veterans. Now, uh, it started in 2020 when he decided to bench Andrew Vaughn on opening day for a left-handed bat who had like 30 career plate appearances. It's stuff like that that drives you crazy. So when it comes to that aspect, yeah, it's frustrating because you want the best lineup. And I'm totally in agreement. this does not matter uh, when it comes to this White Sox club because they haven't proven it to matter. Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Moncada are your primary left-handed bats along with Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets is in Charlotte. Yohan Moncada has played like 15 games all year. Yasmani Grandal is having the worst season of his life. So at this point, just play anyone who's better. It's, I don't care if they're betting left-handed. Can I note something about Johnny Cueto too? Yeah, just, a, just a shout-out to Johnny Cueto. I mean, the guy's got, what, four quality starts and six appearances, and all but one have gone into the sixth inning. I mean, this is – this is a guy without him, the White Sox could be in deep, deep trouble. And really, without a quality pitching staff that's been apparent all season long, the White Sox could very easily be in a lot more trouble than they are right now. If you like what you're hearing, and I don't know why you wouldn't, we are very entertaining and smart. Remember to subscribe to the Southsiders 670 podcast feed. And before we get into Michael Kopech's night tonight, remember to subscribe to Southsiders 670 wherever you listen to your podcast.